Dr. Homebrew is brought to you by Five Star Chemicals, providing safety and cleaning supplies for brewing, distilling, and winemaking at fivestarchemicals.com. Dr. Love. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Dr. Homebrew. Everybody, welcome back. Here we are once again, Dr. Homebrew. Homebrew. Just hanging out in the studio, man. Homebrew. Just drinking beer, hanging out. Drinking beer and having more Homebrew. fun than you. Looking at, looking well, at maybe you. not. Well, maybe we don't know what you're we doing. Yeah. I mean, How this, would we know? This How is, would we possibly know? This is the podcast, right? You could right. be doing, uh, you could be on your boat, you could be on your yacht, you could We're be. We're in the pod and you're so, outcast. Uh, Speaking oh, of wait. podcasts, are they going to call it podcast forever? Because like. Who has an iPod anymore? You just listen to music on your phone or your phone cast, but phone cast doesn't sound as good. Or like a uh, personal small electronic device cast. You might download it to your actual computer and listen to it there. But your PS who has a piss cast? I have an iPod, but it's yeah. like I don't know. It, I upgraded my computer and it doesn't have all my music on it anymore. It's, it's just old. Yeah, I, I don't know if anybody ever, if anybody has music on their local device anymore. Like, it's all in the cloud, right? Isn't that the big thing that the kids are worried about the cloud? Yeah. Well, I, I've got mine on my local device, but I'm kind of a dinosaur. Mm. Anyways, I think people cooler than us, if it's possible to imagine, will come up with a new name for podcasting. Snoozecast. I'm not sure that's possible, but. But is it podsable? Okay, it's possible. Oh, uh, whatever. <laughs> this whatever. mess is uh, is uh, brought to you by our fine sponsor, Five Star five Chemical. Star. You can go to fivestarchemicals.com and learn about all uh, the ways to clean and sanitize your brewing equipment. Because as you, if you're long-time listeners of the show or long-time homebrewers, maybe you don't know this, but uh, you cannot clean and sanitize your brewing equipment at the same time. You must clean it first and then sanitize it. Don't believe uh, anything else. The folks at Five Star have been doing a lot of research over the years, and they've been teaching professional brewers and home brewers how to properly do this uh, stuff. And, uh, you know, you guys need to, to learn it, man. That's the, the, the first step to making better beer and, is to and, make sure you clean and then sanitize. Yes. And for those of you who've already learned it, you know. You know. You get this stuff. You know, man. And Five Star has been helping you guys make uh, consistently killer beer for however long you've been brewing. So, um, you know. Keep it up, man. And uh, thank them, too, because they've been a sponsor for us since 13, so, uh, two years or so. I forget when they, yeah. they got since on. We start, but I think, almost since we started. Uh, I think they, they were the first. I think they that were, they, we weren't going to do the show until they came on or something we like that. Actually, we, yeah. that's an interesting because we're right around our second year anniversary for this show right now, aren't we? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I think we were, we were we sat around and recorded versions of this show in a basement where nobody actually listened to them <laughs> for a while. And we had rats as the audience. Were, yeah. Yes. We had no sponsors. We still and, might. But then, you know, yeah, Five Star came along and said, hey, 
we'll, we'll sponsor you guys. And yeah. so then it became a show. Yeah. It was, uh, they definitely are, are, have been with us since day one, and we, we really appreciate it. So yeah. uh, check them out, fivestarchemicals.com. Okay, we have a couple of really great beers today. We have a cream ale, and then we have a, what, what, a smoked Baltic porter with three kinds of smoked malts and aged on oak. It's a specialty Baltic porter, which has been smoked and oaked. Smoked, oaked, and coked. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's Brian's, choked, that's Brian's new whatever, album yes. coming out. I'm not Is getting it? that effect. Smoked, yet. oaked, and coked. <laughs> yeah. Brian Cooper live <laughs> in his <Rock> basement. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, okay, so we have Tyler on the line now, and Tyler is our cream ale guy. Um, let me load this first so before I forget. Okay, Tyler, are you with us, buddy? I'm here. All Can you right. hear me? Yes, sir. All right, cool. All right, while the guys are pouring, uh, pouring the beer. So, Tyler, man, Tyler, you should work in like some sort of freight uh, because <laughs> some packaging company. Like you, it, it felt like you took a, a a solid block of plastic and then you carved out perfectly formed shapes for the bottles, leaving a thumb hole, like leaving <laughs> a space for me to put my big fat Greek thumb into the neck of the bottle and pull it out. You got to leave something there to get them out, right? They were wedged in there so perfect. I should have brought it. It was like uh, it was like a uh, uh, like carbon fiber. It was amazing. Designed to fit the bottle. It was. Yeah, perfect, perfect. I, I actually work for a company. We, uh, we we do a lot of stuff with foam. So uh, I'm like, well, what's you know, what's the best way to, to ship this out there and not have to worry about something breaking, maybe insulate it a little bit. So I, I took a scrap piece and just kind of kind of cut it up and. You did it. All about, in there. all about the presentation. It's like you're opening up an Apple product. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The packaging is half I did the joy un- of getting the thing. I did an unboxing event, but it, it, it had problems uploading it to YouTube. So. Oh, well. <laughs> anyway. We missed uh, out on that part, so yeah. not color our uh, impressions of the beer. That's true. That's right. Um, his, his hair was perfect. <laughs> uh, Tyler, how long have you been homebrewing, man? Uh, I started at the end of uh, 2013, so going on two years um, you know, haven't really brewed super regularly. This is actually only uh, batch number nine. So, oh wow, so, uh, okay. I had been, had been brewing extract for uh, for a while. One of my friends actually uh, gave me a hand me down, uh, you know, ten gallon cooler mash tun with a you know manifold uh, system for uh, you know not a false bottom, but uh, um, yeah, this is my second wow. all grain batch. So it wasn't even into the tr- the double digits. Let alone triple digits before like hitting all grain. Batch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah, the transition before double digit uh, batch number. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. What made What made you go uh, all grain so early? Well, I tell you what, it was. Um, you know, I've been brewing. Uh, you know, extract, and it's the ability to control your process. I guess. Um, I never was able to uh, get my extract stuff to finish out below. You know, ten, 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 twelve. So I kind of wanted to be able to affect that and, you know, using adjuncts and weed, you know, just mm-hmm. being able to manipulate the recipes a little more. I compare it to like driving a stick shift versus driving, a uh, you know, an automatic. But then I don't drive a stick shift. So it's like, well, that doesn't really work. It makes, like, 
car with all the bells and whistles versus just your base model, maybe a better... Power windows versus uh, yeah. manual window. And, and it makes sense for a guy who can carve foam to sub-micron tolerances. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, I could actually uh, use a CNC machine and cut it real nice, but I uh, didn't have time yeah. for that. So. They, have a, a, they have a great music factory out here. There are, there are a wee number of geeks in our... Thank pro- you, Tyler. Uh, Thanks for the laugh. Our hobby, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's jump into this uh, into this cream ale. Um, Brian, hi. You look the most uh, ready. Yeah. Uh, so for the cream ale, lightly, uh, lightly sweet and clean corn like aroma up front. Definitely, it has. You know the malt. The malt character to me is pretty nice. It, it's um, you know, a little little bit of DMS in there, which is okay for the style at, at, at low levels. Seems to have a low kind of spicy hop in there. Nothing nothing too intense or biting or uh crazy but just uh you know balance with the style a little bit you don't want too much of that so that's good uh no dazzles cleanly cleanly brewed it seems like in the aroma a bit uh a bit bold for the style you could say maybe but not not harsh just a little bit fruity kind of a subdued fruitiness low general you know there's a little fruity ester in there okay that's fine um appearance wise i mean this, this beer style is kind of basically the uh the ale version of, of Budweiser kind of meant to be, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, just lawnmower beer, brewed does an ale, not, you know, you know, gin, uh, the Ginny, that kind of thing. You know, sip it all day and it won't, won't get you wasted. What's um, the Ginny? I hear, I hear the Ginny and I, I think of a generator. Ginny, Ginny. Uh, Genesee Cream Ale. Oh. It's hard to find out here. It's, it's like the East mid Coast East Coast thing. It's hard, it's, it's hard to find here too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, appearance wise, it has a pretty rich golden color. Uh, n- not quite as pale as hoped for, and it also had a, a slight bit of haze. Although this one seems a little bit better. The second sample we poured here. We just keep opening bottles and pouring them, and, um, <laughs> throwing them around the room. JP threw them around in his car for that's, a while. That's what I do. I just don't care about anything. There was the rumor about the roller coaster <laughs> at Disneyland, and uh, I mean, that, it, it was in transit for four days too. So it's true. Yeah. Uh, no, but we we tried to look past that a little bit, uh, <laughs> and it's not hurting it terribly. I, don't, I didn't know it's the low off off white creamy head that faded pretty soon after pouring, um, and in the flavor it has a rich. Multi flavor with a low corn. I found a bit of alcohol evident in this, and that was one of the things I thought kind of detracted from the beer. It's supposed to be uh, pretty smooth and and low alcohol. You know, not low low, but like you know, medium strength, five percent alcohol beer kind of. Right. And it seems just a little bolder than that on the alcohol front. I mean, it was also the first beer we drank tonight too. So now, <laughs> after we had six other beers, it's just is not too bad. But yeah. no, it's uh. It, it is a little evident. It's a little, little bit bigger than expected, but not not way crazy over the top. Uh, hot bitterness I found to be medium low. I noticed kind of a minerally water presentation in this. It gives some crispness, which is is desired, but it was a, a little high to be you know, to the point of almost being a little distracting, like mm-hmm. like a minerally um, sulfatey kind of character in there that that seemed to be popping out in the water. So we'll talk about water. With you and see what you did, uh, what what your water base water is like, what, how you treated it, what you used, um, but uh, you know maybe it, it might not be the water; it might just be something else. So, but yeah, it's kind of playing off the hop a little bit too, I think too, uh, with that. And uh, you know, the hop didn't seem 
insane or anything. So it's it's the hop the bitterness especially is pretty restrained. So that was good. If you went crazy with that, it would really go nuts and be like a British pale ale kind of a thing. You know, the minerals and the hops together. But yeah, uh, it does give it a little different presentation. And uh, but yeah, it's it's a seems like a clean ale fermentation, fairly dry finish, um, you know, malty and a little bit of alcohol in the aftertaste, but uh, you know, clean and, and fairly crisp, which was nice. Uh, body wise, it's medium bodied. Little hint of alcohol warmth. I'm feeling it too. I'm not just not just tasting it. I get that. Yeah, it's 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 crisp and 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 clean and and not not very. It's not very smooth or creamy, and but it's also not really astringent. Uh, the carbonation is kind of medium down the middle of the road. Um, but um, yeah, the, the overall this is a, a a flavorful and interesting cream ale. I. I mm. I've, I've never brewed a cream ale myself, honestly. But um, you know, it, it is. You could drink it while you're you're mowing your lawn, but it's it seems like the alcohol is a little high that you might mow, mow the wrong part of your lawn. Now, <laughs> if you drank too many of them and took too long, and you have a big lawn, and you have to drink six of them to get through of it. You're not going to well, make it. If you it. don't have a lawn, if you don't have a lawn, you could uh, go do your laundry, and you might mix your reds with your laundry, whites. Laundry beer. And then laundry beer. You know, all your shirts come out pink at the end. That's important. You don't want that to happen. So can't drink um, the big beer. Anyways. Yeah, I thought yeah. again the bitterness level and the overall malt flavor profile in this beer were really nice. You had a good corn-like character in there. Um, just pushing up a little too high on the alcohol, and the water profile was a little odd. And then with a dry finish, I mean, it, it was weird to me because it seemed like there's there's good malt flavors in there, but also mm-hmm. seemed a bit, and it was a little bit alcoholic. But at the same time, it almost seemed a little watery, like the way the minerals played off everything else. It had a little kind of watery character to it in a weird way, just a bit too minerally. Slightly, it might be slightly more reminiscent of you know the pre-prohibition version of the style was actually a little stronger, had a little bit bolder uh, flavors and and uh, you know but I don't know that this would be like that either. It's just something interesting in the water, and we'll talk about that. But I okay, we'll see what Lee got us. I gave the beer a thirty-two. I thought it was a very good, well-brewed beer. So okay, yeah, tasty, awesome, Lee. All right, go for it, buddy. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, so this style is basically the ale version of a light American lager or standard American lager. And it comes across as that pretty well. <clears throat> now, very easy drinking, very light body, uh, fairly low-intensity beer throughout. Yeah. Um, I got some honey sweetness mm-hmm. in the nose, a little bit of corn, a little bit of what I originally thought was a kind of a warty character, although I don't think that was really a very accurate perception. Um, pretty much no hops in the nose or esters, no diacetyl. I didn't really pick up much DMS, but I was getting some sulfur, like a sulfite. So, I mean, maybe mm-hmm. I'm on the, a similar page to Brian there, if not exactly the same one. But I was just getting some sulfur in the nose. I thought the honey character was a bit much for the style. Um, otherwise, it's pretty much okay honey, by the nose. Yeah. Um, golden pale color. It's interesting. If you look straight on it, it's actually sort of a medium gold. If you hold it up to the light in here, yeah. it's it's almost like water. It's so, so oh, pale. weird. Okay, yeah. It's, it's a very, and that might be because it's got a little bit of haze. It's causing some mm. diffraction effects in here. Well, we're sipping in these kind of bowl-like little sample glasses yeah. with a round bottom. I, so, I yeah. noticed a little haze also, guys. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's got a little haze, and I don't know if that's because we, you know, GP was I put it on the thing, right, like we get it. before I got I here know. or whatever, yeah. Was it bottle- We're blaming it on him. I did the salsa from the parking garage over here. Yeah. <laughs> was it bottle conditioned, or is it from a keg? 
Yeah, it's bottle condition. Yeah. I'm I, I'm yeah. still bottling, guys. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's my least. How dare least favorite, you? Yeah, least favorite brewing process yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, it was when you hold it up to the light, it's very pale. So which is is pretty appropriate. Uh, pours a low foam, fades to a low bead, which for this style is fine. Uh, these, these aren't beers you expect to have much head on. Uh, flavor, again, it's the honey pills malt. Medium low spicy hops, slightly sweet malt, medium IBUs. Balance is about even. Wasn't really picking up any esters per se. Again, I was getting sort of sulfur sulfite kind of character. I was wondering if it's a ferment character, like if you use a lager yeast. Uh, could also be water if you have sulfite water or added gypsum you know, to the water as well. Um <clears throat> To me, the malt came across sort of like what I've interpreted as being like a heavier six-row kind of malt flavor, but I, I'm, I'm not going to say you use that. Maybe you'll tell us, but it, that's kind of what it seemed to me. Um, it finishes dry, lingering hop and sulfur much more than the malt. Hop flavor and sulfur. I thought the hop flavor is maybe a bit much for style, but it might be mm. because it's being augmented by some of this kind of sulfury, sulfidey, minerally character a bit much. And that but will it, enhance... It, it gives it, it more hop crispness and it enhances oh. the hop flavor. Yeah, I mean, okay. calcium sulfate. Now, gypsum's a classic addition if you want to bring up the hop right, characteristics. Right, okay. um, but I'd never but, heard that about the, the, the sulfur. Right. Well, that's that's the part that does it, really. It's not the calcium that does it. It's the sulfate that does it. Sulfate. You, know, you add calcium I, and chloride to a beer, it's not going to bring up your hop character. I would, heard sulfur. Yeah. Would sulfur, sulfur, as in any kind of sulfur, like DMS, H2S, will do the same thing? I don't think hydrogen sulfide, the H2S, would do that. <laughs> hey, uh, sulfates and sulfites well, probably would. Okay. Uh, I don't know. It's the SO4 yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's pretty much the style. It seems a little bit mineral hop forward, and, and the balance is – it makes it crisp, which is nice and light, but it maybe is, is, is uh, ba- overbalancing the malt a little bit. Uh, Medium-high carbonation, medium-low ba- body – no alcoholic warmth at all, which is pretty much right. A little bit drying uh, from the carbonation, which is a little high, and maybe some of that sulfur character. Uh, overall, I thought it was a drinkable, quenching cream ale, well-balanced and sprightly from the gas. Um, honey and malt character mm-hmm. seem a bit heavy, but in quality, if not intensity. And that's sort of that six-row flavor I was talking about. And I don't know if you use that or not, but it sort of comes across maybe it was preconception on my part. I don't know. But it has that sort of heavier malt character to it. A husky or something? Yeah. Oh. Um, so if you use that, maybe use less of it. I don't know. If you used, well, like Brian said, we should probably talk about whether if there was water treatments or sulfur or anything like that in here. Probably a little less would help. But what score did other you than that, it? I gave it a thirty. I thought it was a pretty decent beer. I could definitely drink that. I could drink this while running the power lawnmower on my lawn. Oh yeah. Although I don't have a power lawnmower or a lawn, but you know, if I did, but I could still drink it. Yeah. This is the precursor. Now you want to rip out concrete and put a lawn in. <laughs> well, there's a lot of asphalt up my street. I could do that on. See. Yeah, there I don't have much. I don't actually have much concrete. I could rip up to put. A Who's lawn this in. guy drinking light yeah. ale and tearing down <laughs> our concrete? Uh, well, Why is my street now grass? <laughs> right. Uh, well, Tyler, let's talk a little bit about the water then, since that seems to be what these guys are, are focusing on. What do you do? You do anything uh, at all to your water? Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, the water here is uh, Indianapolis tap water filtered, uh, but it's really hard, really hard water. Uh, like uh, I want to say total uh, alkalinity is over 160. Um, Calcium so I carbonate. Cut that. Yeah. So 
Is that super hard? Is that really considered very hard? I don't know much That's about it. That's pretty high. That's yeah? pretty hard, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, I want to say it's like around 165, 170, somewhere in there. So I cut, I cut it back with distilled water, like a okay. third, of, third of my water with distilled water. Uh, treated it with a Camden tablet. Um, and, I mean, that's that's my water. What does that do? Uh, that's just that, going to kill any bugs I in just, your water. Yeah. Chlorine, okay. chloramines gets rid of that. Okay. Yeah, more and, for chlorine and chloramines, and chloramines is what I was yeah. thinking. Any kind of off flavors you can get from some having that in there. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or you can boil it for a long time. And do something. Yeah, that's, that wastes right. energy. I, yeah, I didn't want to do that, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's the sulfate um, content in your water? Do you know? I don't know. I do not know. Okay. Usually, um, local water reports. If you can find whoever your you know your local water district is, they should have an annual report that'll give you at least an average value for what you're getting, and yeah. you can get that figured out. Yeah. See, um, we had you pegged for a homebrew that like just takes their their tap water and just dumps a couple of tablespoons of gypsum into every batch, and no, no see, I, <laughs> <laughs> here he does everything just like, wow, that's what I would do with that water. Oh, that's what I would do with that water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm not. Great. I don't know what I'm doing enough to be you know. Nor do I have a scale accurate enough to be measuring, you know, grams of, you know. Sure. Yeah, no. It, it, metals it's, for water. If your water is a little carbonate and alkaline, then, yeah, cut, cutting it with the uh, with some RO or some distilled water like you, like you did is, is a good good plan. So, yeah. I mean, the water is not bad. It's not intense, but we both kind of got that, yeah. that did character you use, or something uh, in there. I, I, I would guess you used an ale yeast. Is that true? I did. I used... Um, you want me just to go, maybe go through the recipe Let's go here. through the recipe, yeah. So, uh, Lee, excellent guest on the sixth row. We actually had a, uh, a <laughs> contest for, at our local homebrew store, uh, Great Fermentations, and uh, 50% of the grain bill had to be of a, a locally sourced uh, uh, sixth row malt. So, um, and out there, you can actually get locally sourced sixth row. Yeah, so yeah, there's a place in a, in a nearby town. It's called uh, Sugar Creek Malt Company. And they're they're fairly new, but um, they've partnered up, I guess. And uh, uh, yeah, so fi- basically, just short of fifty one percent of my grain bill was uh, six row. So that's five and a half pounds, uh, four pounds of uh, uh, the Weirman's uh, Pilsner Malt, uh, which was like thirty seven percent, a pound of flaked corn, which was just a hair over nine percent. And then a third of a pound of sugar. Um, but the way I did the sugar, so I did not use that in the mash. I added, I made a, I mean, that's not a ton of sugar, but I made a syrup and added that when uh, primary fermentation started to slow down. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Just, you know, just trying to drive fermentation as much as possible. It's very Belgian uh, of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It did dry out the finish there. Yeah. yeah. But it, it really dried it out. Um so before I added the sugar, I was at 1049. Um, and after fermentation, I was down at 1005. So it fermented out further than I thought it was going to. Um, I mashed at 149. Yeah. And uh, with 75-minute the- boil. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I used, uh, uh, I guess I'll go with the hops real quick here, uh, 0.8 ounces of a 4.9% Liberty at 60 minutes. And three quarters of an ounce at 18 minutes. Um, For how big a batch? Uh, five gallon batch. So six six gallons at the end of the boil, five and a half in the fermenter, leaving you with the five gallons of beer. Right. That might be what we're picking up then is some of the sulfur characteristics. That's that's probably a fair amount of flavor hop for a cream ale for that batch. I mean, it's, 
on a 10 gallon batch that would be an ounce and a half yeah right. that's, that's a fit for for such a delicate beer that's probably a pretty big flavor hop charge yeah. okay at the end there and All that right. can come across as a little sulfury sometimes well really? also the yeah the and the yeah, t- the self-deception but yeah it's in the same sort of flavor register okay gravity wise you probably intended to finish it you know 10 10 11 or 10 something in there yeah somewhere around 10 10 is what 10, i was 10, thinking yeah. you know leaving you five five and a quarter maybe 5.4 percent somewhere in mm-hmm. there even going down from 1049 to 1005, that's going to get you up towards 6% already. And then with the addition right. of that pound, that's maybe pushed the, what the original gravity would have been up to, you know, a little higher, 1055 or something. Or, you know, who knows? But, yeah, that's that's going to be a 6% or, or so now, right? No, yeah, it's, it's uh, so I, would, I get basically maybe three points for gravity for that third pound of, a sh- of sugar. Yeah. So like 10, so, 1052, you know, 1053, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's on the high end. Definitely. It's, or it's a little, little outside of style for the alcohol level. Right. Um, let's see here. I used uh, white labs clarity firm on this cause I've had issues with a lot of my beers lately, even extract having a, a chill haze. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if that's, you think that could be due to the uh, more protein in the six row malt? Are you well for this beer? Uh, possibly that is a higher protein malt, but you said it was only fifty percent of the malt that was in there, right? Yeah, correct. And the rest was what was the rest? Was it corn or pilsner? Thirty seven percent pilsner and a pound of flaked corn, which was just under ten percent, just actually nine and a quarter percent. Should have been too uh, too much, right? That yeah. you might have had a little extra protein, a little less, ex, little extra tannin in there, which would tend to precipitate it out more from that six row. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, um, I could definitely taste that that huskiness type of thing you were talking about too. Yeah, we prefer big boned. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You know, as you, as you pour it, there's like there's like a a, a tint of uh, a hint of pink almost, like a light. Like as you pour it in the glass, yeah. and maybe that was just maybe yeah. like the it light from your really shirt or something weird like that. Color when you pour like it, I was thinking it was the lighting kinda, in this room, yeah. but yeah, huh. it, it might be. Pink. Yeah, check it out. It does. Yeah. Although like we ma- prefer big boned, yes. reddish orange. Like there may be like a. It looks like there's a touch of cranberry juice or something in. It. I'm 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 no. not saying that there is in the beer, but it's just it's you weird. Rest assured that there is no cranberry. Yeah, juice yeah. In yeah. It's not the cranberry wit we drank too. No, no, not at all. Um, all right, well, Tyler, do you have any more questions for the guys, or vice versa? I guess. Yeah. Um, how How would you recommend fine tuning this? I mean, I I definitely get. Uh, what you're saying it's a it's like it's a little too sharp it's a little too biting almost yeah so i i would check your local water report see what the sulfites are in your water and see what you need to do to get those down into a range would be better for this beer which would be pretty low mm-hmm. um consider reducing your flavor hops um okay. if we think you got that much tannin from the six tannin extra protein for the six malt uh, really watch your sparge temperature and your sparge practices. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be leaching out tannins, so keep the, you know, stop collecting when your gravity coming out of your mash tons about 10.8. Don't go okay. below, what was it, 7 or 6.0 or whatever on the sparge. Keep the temperature below 170. Um, and you also, you can also acidify your sparge water. You know, you could. You yeah, could, you could take that the water that you have and, and blend it down even a little more with RO or distilled water. Um, or at a capillary. You, you want to use very soft even. water to make this beer. Yeah, that's a yeah. question. So, if you've got my, really carbonate water, that's a problem. 
when I like checked that. my pH, it was it was actually under five. It was like four point nine. Okay, somewhere in there. Hmm. Was was that after you diluted it out and done whatever to that, it? That was during the sparge. Oh. No, before uh, for, or during the mash. The mash. Sorry. Okay. Right. Um, five nine. Four nine. He said four nine under four, five. five. I'm like I. You know, I've got the test strips, and I'm like wow. checking this. I'm like, this can't even, this can't be real. But I mean, right? Well, that, that's pretty. <laughs> at some low. point, it is what it is, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty low, especially given how alkaline you say your water is. So I, I would definitely check, get your local water report. You need to know. So I mean, a beer this, a beer like this is a challenge. It's basically an American light lager with an ale yeast. It, it's going to show up any process flaws you have. They're going to stand out like a sore thumb. It's, there's no room to hide anything in this kind of a beer. So, yeah, get your water report. See what that's like. Make sure you've got all those sparge parameters we talked about down, yeah. and that's not a problem. But pro- process flaws, um, there really aren't aren't many here. It's it's pretty cleanly brewed. It's just, yeah, the alcohol pushes up a touch. And the, yeah, the- but, you know, a, a combination of a little bit too much tannin, a little bit too much flavor hop, and maybe a little bit more mineral than you think could could be pushing out this kind of flavor we're talking about that's coming across as sulfate or, or water character somehow. Um, what about yeast? Would uh, That's uh, Cal Ale 001. I think your hmm. yeast is fine. That should be, I mean, that should be a pretty neutral yeast, you know, unless you're bringing it up to a high ferment temperature. That should no, work okay. It was low. I pitched at uh, 55 and uh, tried to keep it, I let it rise up to about 64 or so. Ooh, 55 is pretty low for that Cal is low. You did, know, you might almost be pushing it down to sulfur production at that level. Well, that's, that's what ale, that was my ale question, will go, will, if you take them to low enough temperature, they can go into that sort of logger, more logger, logger mode. mode. Yeah, oh, really? Yeah. Might be pumping out some sulfur. Oh, and maybe pitch a little higher. I wondered if you had used it uh, like a loggering process or a logger yeast even with this because it did have a little, uh, that sulfury uh, character gave it a yeah. logger-like impression, which, you know, it's meant to be kind of a logger-like beer, which is it's kind of cool that way anyway. But uh, it's definitely an ale. There, there is very, very low fruitiness in this. Um, just a little bit in there, but uh, yeah. As it warmed up, but yeah, starting at fifty-five. Wow, that is low. Yeah, I'd, I'd push that up to sixty. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sixty is going to give you a, a plenty subdued fruit. Yeah. Fruity this, character. Yeah. This yeast is not a big fruit producer at temperature like that. You're not going to get an ester, really estery okay. beer. Try to get an East Coast yeast. <laughs> East Coast ale. East East Coast ale. East oh, yeah. Coast ale. Yeah. No, and then no. again, I think my last question, guys, would be: um, Okay, so that's a pretty thin beer at ten oh five, right? Yeah. And that's bottled at uh, two and three quarter volumes. Could that also, since it's so thin, could that be giving it a little bit of that harshness we're talking about? That might be what's giving me the impression of the, the wateriness and the you know the weird kind of watery character combined. Because the malt flavors are in there, but it has this watery impression, which could be the low gravity being close to like water gravity. You know, <laughs> it's like water is one point zero zero zero. This is one point zero zero five. It's just like texturally, there's not a lot there. Uh, or texturally, texturally, yeah. texturally. It, 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 it yeah. is by the numbers a little low for the style, but for me, I would worry about all those other things we talked about first. You know, the okay. water mm-hmm. and the the getting the yeast up a bit higher and controlling all that other stuff. Because if it didn't have some of those sort of pungent things we're calling sulfury, the thinness wouldn't stand out so much. You, might I mean, just, you do want yeah. a little bit of sweet. Okay. Maybe it's a little much to say you want a little bit of sweetness in the end of this beer, but you know, if you got rid of the sulfury or the the hoppy character in here, that sort of, that side of it would pop out a little more. Instead That's of you know, instead of just uh, feeding the yeast at the end of your fermentation too, you might just 
put the sugar in at the end of your boil and, you know, just long enough to heat it up to boiling temperature and, you know, make, make a syrup and mix it in with your boil instead and then let that ferment out. And maybe it won't drive it down quite as far. I, um, yeah, I was actually thinking maybe next time just uh, eliminate the sugar completely if it's going to dry out that much. You could do that, too. It'll probably yeah. bring your terminal up a point. Drop the sugar and bump up the corn a little bit. That's not going to hurt you. Okay. Yeah. And, and understand that to really nail this style is, is a difficult challenge because you've got to get all these things just figured out perfectly. So if you want to improve your home brewing skills, this is a great beer to do it on. <laughs> over you, will, over. you will have to to get this to come out perfect. You did that, pretty that good. Was, that's yeah. been my, uh, kind of my theory behind brewing. And if you can master something like this, you should be okay with you know, bigger stuff with lots of hops. You make an IPA, like, yeah. and that's going to be like, yeah, no problem. Okay, Big old imperial stouts you could hide a truckload of flaws in and still be, have a good beer. Yeah, the not here, though. Or blended sours. Yeah. All right, Tyler, that's it, man. we got to scram. Awesome. Thanks, I, guys. Appreciate thanks it. Yeah. yeah, thanks. I appreciate you uh, sending the beer, man. It was delicious. All right. Have a good one, guys. All right, man. You yes. too. And fun to talk about. Bye. Good guy. Yeah. Good beer, too. All right, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and speak with Garrett with his uh, Smoke Baltic Oaked Deal Mabob Jobber Which you could hide beer. a truck behind. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Homebrew back after this. Oh, truck. Hello, fellow BNers. This is Sully from the 21st Amendment Brewery located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a back house in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. Homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The Internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew, a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff. Listen up. You might learn something. I certainly did. And thanks for your support. Tasty Crack Games. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. That's it. I've had it. I am never putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing 
Walking Skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a home brew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the Uber Special Secret Elite Bare Bones Club where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit! NicoBrew.com N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W NicoBrew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Beer tasting games that train your palate, a brewery locator, and the brand new interactive beer style guide. These are just a few of the awesome things you'll find on craftbeer.com. The style guide is a beautiful example of technology in beer. Browse beer style families or turn on the automatic beer style finder and explore beer through color, bitterness, ABV, aroma, and flavor. It's really the coolest way to explore every beer style besides having them all in front of you. Go to craft craftbeer.com and click on beer styles to start the guide plus enjoy the rest of craftbeer.com the brewers banter blogs beer education how to host a beer tasting and the invaluable draft quality manual tons of great content that makes your beer better visit the new craftbeer.com right now and explore the website that brings you all the passion camaraderie and creativity of the craft beer community craftbeer.com celebrating the best of american beer Back to the examination. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Um, so, you know, as you know, I went to uh, to Walt Disney World. Put Garrett at home for a second. And uh, they have this uh, food and wine. Hmm. Here, I'll let Garrett. Garrett, are you there? I am here. All right. How you doing, buddy? Real good. Uh, I'm about to to rant at uh, at uh, Walt Disney World Food and Wine Expo, and I'm oh, I'm right going to let, let you listen just because I don't want to have to call you back. Um, so they have this little craft beer pavilion because, as you guys know, this whole craft beer thing is like really popular. It's huge now. <laughs> yeah, it's causing anti. It's causing InBev to buy out Miller. It is. It's their response it, to craft beer, and I think that's amazing. Yeah, because they um, can't compete otherwise, right? Right. Yeah, it's, and, it's the only uh, reason for all this. Right, and they have this this pavilion. Uh, that focuses just on craft beer, local craft beer, but, you know, just craft beer in general. And uh, on the outside, they had these little uh, blurbs about what each, you know, uh, ingredient in the beer does, hops and water and whatever. And then they went through style guidelines on the inside, kind of around, and they're very basic. But uh, this is the information that's that's being put out there. Uh, I want to ask you specifically about this one. Water. Water is the most used and also most important ingredient in beer. Okay? Geography plays a role in affecting how good water is for certain styles of beer. For instance, the water in Australia is better for pale ales, while the water in England is better for making stouts. I feel like those two things are not true, because if they were true, those would be the popular styles in those areas. (laughs) <laughs> right? I mean, am I stupid or am I real smart? England surely isn't known for their pale ales. No. England isn't known for their stouts. <laughs> that's for that's for God sure, damn sure. Ireland. And Australia is not known for their pale ales. Ireland, yes, well, of like course. Sparkling ale, it's but like, like they're, they're, they're pale beer, but light lagers, right? Yeah. 
Well, I don't know. They, they do a lot of British style bitters and stuff down there, but that's all. That's the same thing. It's because it, they got it from the water. Brits, right? Right. So yeah, you're right. It's the the water. It's a little weird. Blurb is a little bit twisted. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I didn't take the yeast one, but uh, here here's the hops one. Uh, hops is the flavoring and stability agent used in all style beer. However, the amount varies by style. Oddly phrased, but okay. At the start of the process. Hops is dried and pelletized for use as a flavoring Why agent. Why are they referring to hops in the sing- hops singular? I don't hops know. Is. Well, also at, hops is dried. Hops at the are, start hops of is used at the start of what process? What? Pro- well, yeah, well, the process. There's only one. <laughs> I, I, right? I guess involved. <laughs> like, well, we need yeah. to brew some beer today. Okay, let's go dry our hops. Exactly. That's what I thought too. Pellets. Um, here's the best part: hops can be added later. Then what? I don't know. Uh, hops can be added later to include more color and aroma. If you like green beer? <laughs> this is the information that's being put out in Florida about craft color beer. And aroma. Well, don't learn about beer from the mouse, I guess. <laughs> uh, my brother made a beer that he called it Green Hell, and he put so many hops in it that Brother Jimmy's beer was green. Yeah, but, and, and so like extreme, and hazy but for hell. the most part, you're not going to, here's, here's their, it will dis- change the appearance, but it's not going right. to, yeah. It's not gonna, I, like, I myself rich- have never used hops in an attempt to color That's a the coloring beer. Here's yeah. their description of an IPA, a strong and distinctive hoppy flavor with a slightly bitter taste. Defined slightly. <laughs> slightly bitter taste. Yeah. Here's their, here's their description of a pale ale. In the U.S., cleaner yeast is used. Cleaner than... They like dirty yeast elsewhere. Exactly. That's the implication, right? And the hops are ramped up during brewing, making it a spicy beer. So you have to have a hop ramp. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and and I love those U.S. uh, spicy pale ales that are made with cleaner yeast. I love them. (laughs) I think they're so amazing. A nice spicy pale yeast. Anyway, I wanted you guys to all know what I had to go through down in Florida. It was terrible. It's a beer wasteland still. Whatever. Did you get any Cigar City down there? I got one can of their brown ale, and it was fine. Bless you, okay. Garrett. Well, you'd say cleaner, cleaner fermenting, like as in it doesn't produce as many yeast characteristics. Like so, the British, yes. the British yeast. Is but a at that hard. point, just leave it out. There's no need right. to even bring it. What kind of yeast you're, you're including in a pale ale? Because most punters don't. Know. Anyway, whatever. Mm. That, that's what I had to do. It. Uh, Garrett. Hi, Garrett. Yes, sir. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? Real good. Real so good. we've had you on before, and this is what, like your third appearance on the show, right? Second. Second. Repeat offender. Only one side. There's his. Uh, that's me. That's his thing. Um, okay, so uh, we'll spare everybody the uh, how long you've been homebrewing kind of thing, and just jump right into your beer. Um, how, is this the first time you've done a giant, complex beer like this? I mean, it's a smoked Baltic porter with what three smoked malts and then aged on oak. Yeah, so actually this is a kind of a new version of a beer that I've been brewing for a while. Okay. Um, uh, this started out as a clone of my favorite smoked beer, which, in fact, I sent you a bottle of a while back, and you got to try Yes, that's right. Uh, yep, so that, that was the, that's the source beer, was the uh, Surly Smoke Lager. And I've brewed that clone for several years now. It's done really, really well for me in competition. Uh, in fact, I think it was last year, maybe the year before, I got a gold in the MCAB uh, with that one wow. and a bronze the year before. Nicely done. So, yeah. 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 So, man, thank you. It's like I say, it's done really well for me. Um, the problem I've had with this beer is it's really been inconsistent when I brewed it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I've come to learn that a lot of that has to do with this, what I think it is, is the wireman smoked malt. Uh, and that really reared its head when I went to do this batch, and thus I had some really drastic recipe changes. The original recipe didn't have the cherrywood smoked malt and didn't have the oak smoked wheat in it. It was just straight wireman smoked malt at about 30%. And uh, when I went to go grab ingredients this time around, um, I'm weighing out the grain, and I'm not smelling any smoke <laughs> out of this malt. That's no good. So, no so I'm starting to stress, and so I bumped the, the wireman malt from 5 pounds up to 11 pounds and then reduced the base malt accordingly. I'm still not really – I'm still worried that I'm not going to get enough smoke. So at this point, I've cashed out the smoked malt in my homebrew shop. <laughs> and uh, like, well, they've got some cherry wood, and I've played with that before. I don't like using a lot of it because I think it makes – it gives you a really bacony smoke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not, uh, it just didn't appeal to me. But so I threw a pound of that in there. And I'm like, well, I, it's still not right. Hey, what's this oak smoked wheat? So I threw a pound of that in there. And you have the result in front of you. <laughs> it doesn't have enough smoke. doesn't have enough smoke. Oh, shit. A little more of this. A little more of that. <laughs> oh, okay, here we go. And that's, and that's always the complaint. Or, you know, not, not so much a complaint, but the feedback that I get on score sheets for this beer is like, well, the smoke's just really subtle. I don't get subtle. In, in fact, for no. this for the beer you guys have in front of you, I, it just went through two competitions in the last month, and I got back in the notes again. Could use more smoke, and I don't get that. I think it's a smoke bomb. But what do you guys think, Lee? What do you think? Why don't you start us off? Unless Brian's Lee, about ready to jump Lee in. Lee doesn't think it's a smoke um, bomb, but I think it's a smoke bomb. There's your answer. <laughs> no, I, I, all right, well, Garrett. We'll talk to you later. It's pretty close to being right. a smoke bomb. This is very smoky beer. I mean, my comment. And the overall was, you know, was it? Oh, where did I put this? Good smoke blend. I mean, I, I think the, what people think about this, a lot of it is going to depend on how much they like smoke. I think this is balanced heavily to smoke. <clears throat> um, overall, uh, for the aroma, smoky aroma with bacony and autumn leaves hints, medium high, pleasant, not much acrid here. So it's pretty nice, smooth smoke for the most part. No hops. Um, uh, base malt and some cocoa chocolate aromas come through. Smoke dominates the aroma. No esters, no other ferment character noted. It's basically smoke with a little bit of supporting malt in the nose. Uh, pours a low tan foam, which fades quickly to a thin bead. Black. Clarity, I wasn't really sure. It looked pretty opaque, actually. Still, the, I, if I hold it up to the light bulb, maybe it's not opaque, but it's so, it's so dark it's hard to tell, and it probably doesn't mean anything. Uh, flavor. <laughs> Strong blended smoke flavors over lower chocolate ashy malt flavor. Smoke dominates. No hop flavor. Supporting IBUs only. I mean, it's a nice balance there. Finishes slightly sweet with lingering smoke and cocoa and ash. Slightly low, uh, but drying. Uh, low. What do I mean low? Hey, who knows what I wrote? Uh, very smoke forward. <laughs> Can't read your writing. my comment here, yeah. Very smoke forward. Some late caramel emerges, no ferment character, but this is a very smoke forward beer. I, I have had smokier. Mm-hmm. I've even had smokier that was still nice. I've had plenty of smokier that wasn't nice. Uh, this, is a, this is a very smoke forward beer, though. Yes. Uh, medium high body, medium low carbonation. Could use a little more carbonation, actually, um, which actually helps drive the smokiness. 
that's a very volatile aroma, those phenols. Phenols? Phenols. Sure. Um, so, you know, if you have your carbonation is low, you might not be driving the smoke as much. Uh, low clean alcohol warmth, not creamy or stringent, though a little bit drying, probably again from the smoke and a little bit of the dark malt characteristics. Uh, overall, clean, very smoke-forward Baltic porter. Smoke heads will love this, and others won't. Um, smoke flavor yes. is clean with little acrid character. It's pretty nice smoke character. Good blend of smoke. I mean, I could tell that this isn't any one particular smoke. And, you know, we saw the 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 Wireman, the Rauch, Rauch malt plus the cherry plus the oak. It's a very nice blend you put together here, mm-hmm. actually. I agree. Even if it was randomly selected, which kind of sounds like from your, your spiel about what you did at the homebrew shop. Pretty much. I, yeah. I took what they had. Yeah, but it worked. You, you, you got lucky on I that. I know that mode is like, what do I have around me? What can I do? Yeah. So it's a good smoke blend. The base beer, it can be almost lost in the mix. Um, some chocolate comes through, a little bit of caramel later. Um, but And the ferment seems clean as far as I could tell. You know, Baltic porter, that's an important thing. But really the balance is to the smoke. Uh, I mean, you could call this a, a porter, a Baltic porter, almost even a stout. The base beer is almost the, – the, the particulars of the style of the base beer at this level of smoke intensity, I mean, you should decla- you have to declare one, but it's almost not that important. This is really smoky beer. Um, smoky bear? That said, smoky beer, yeah, smoky bear. Only you can yeah. drink this beer. Only you can put this beer out of its misery. Um, audio. <clears throat> yeah, no, I liked it. It is definitely very smoke-heavy beer. Um, mm-hmm. So people are saying they're not getting enough smoke malt? I don't know. I wonder if if you've that... got some of your bottles that are undercarbonated, that might not be driving it enough. Mm-hmm. It might make that impression come through. Or if your beer is judged 12th in a sequence of 12 beers on a heavy flight on some homebrew competition there, or the judges are just fatigued as hell and they've tasted smoke beer after smoke beer. Right. Yeah. And maybe they're not getting it. Maybe they're not getting it because, I mean, smoke is the sort of thing that will fatigue the palate pretty quickly. Very and, quickly. And the other thing is I'm not really familiar with the beer you modeled this on, the the surly smoked dark lager. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that tastes like or how smoky it is. And if you ha- even though this is very smoky, if you haven't matched that intensity and all your local judges know that and they're thinking that when they drink it, maybe they think this isn't smoky enough. I don't know. I'm sure they work to balance it. Would you say yours is higher or lower than the – than the the one you're styling it after. The current, the what you guys have in front of you, I think is smokier. The original recipe, I, I think, matches it pretty dead on. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would agree. Having having had that that beer before, um, obviously you didn't share it with us. I didn't share it with you. No, Did jerk, you? I didn't. <sighs> um, but I have shared other beers with you. And I do that. You've shared some good beers with us. Yes, we have. That's right. JP, thank you for that. I think this is a very – I give this a 37. I really like this beer. I think it's a very good beer. Do you think like the – and I don't don't know what this is, but in in my brain, it's the cherry wood in the middle kind of thing. There's this extra level of cherry wood sweetness. And do -hmm. you think that can be squishing people's perception of the smoke because of that cherry smoke malt? Like if you took that out, would it be – it would obviously be different, but would it give like – Less of a perception of extra sweetness. I don't know. I mean, the okay. cherry wood might give sweet. You have to be careful of the cherry wood. Sometimes it comes give you a little bit of sweetness. Sometimes it give you a lot of acrid. Mm-hmm. You don't want to use a lot of that stuff. Uh, actually, a pound, how big a batch is this? Ten gallons? Five? Five. Five. Yeah, a pound of cherry wood actually is almost more than I would I would recommend using. The other thing to keep in mind. So there's a few other things to keep in mind here. Smoke. Um, 
It can be different batch to batch. You're using commercially available smoke grains, so hopefully they're pretty well controlled. But mm-hmm. um, they might not always be the same lot to lot. So if you were thinking the wireman Absolutely. wasn't as smoky as usual, it might have been an issue with that particular lot of smoke malt they had in that week or month or shipment, I guess would be the way to think I about actually it. Had- I actually had that conversation with the uh, with the head brewer at Surly, mm-hmm. and we we're talking about that beer. And at one point, they had added cherry wood into one of their batches one year because the wireman wasn't as smoky. Mm-hmm. And his thought was that, you know, coming out of the coming out of the factory, it's probably all the same. But you don't know how long it's sat on a container ship, coming over here and then into a warehouse and so on and so forth before you know it hit the brew house. That's and also smoke possible, will dissipate. Yeah. It will dissipate. Um, yeah, and they want to work hard to keep their product just balanced, balanced the way it always has been for their consumers. They're a pretty big brewery now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So so the the way the smoke lasts that long and how strong the batch is. The other thing is, and I assume your homebrew shop is totally in control of this because you've got a good homebrew shop. There are three different grades of Wireman Smoke Malt. And if they're not getting oh. the same one they used to or they got a different one in that shipment, oh. that can make a difference. Yeah. Um, I didn't know there were three grades. There, there, there at least were a few years ago, three different intensities of smoke malt you could buy. Hmm. And I don't know if they were different smokes or they're just sort of blends of smoke malt and pills malt to get different average intensity. But hmm. that's another thing. The other thing is, honestly, um, your perceptions of it when you go into the store might vary a lot depending on how your sensory apparatus is working on that given day. You got a little plugged up oh, nose, yeah. you might not pick it up as much, and you might th- start thinking this stuff is way less than it used to be. Yeah, um, no, I, I mean, yeah, I've that, noticed. You that know, day I was, I was throwing the stuff in my mouth and chewing it up, and I'm like, where's the smoke? Yeah. Hmm. Well, keep in mind, smoke is not a flavor your tongue picks up, so that's really all going nasal retronasal, and it's going to depend how um, well that um, part of your anatomy is working. Um, understood. Yeah. Um, that said, you know, I, that, that may not be the highest ranking thing on the list as to what might affect it, but... I mean, it, um, is, it is a malt that's designed to, to be designed to be the base malt in your, your beer and mm-hmm. not just an addition, you know, whereas the cherry wood is something, yeah, you add a little bit to get the smoke character that you want to get to, yeah. the environment, and you can make a whole beer, but that, as you did, with this is the base malt, so it might not be, as, if you're chewing it, at, you know, as overtly smoky as if you're, like, chewing something else and, and really smoky, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're home smoking malt, you always want to take a little bit, you know, a little chunk of it aside and do, like, a little test match and test mash and mm-hmm. figure out what the intensity is and exactly how much you want to use. We would all love to think that we never have to do that with a commercially available product. And maybe that's true. I'm just not 100% sure that it always is. So there's right. those things to think about. Um, as for sure. the people who say you don't have enough smoke in here, I, well, I don't know. I, I don't know what preconceptions they have, but this is a pretty smoky beer. I mean, yes. I'm a kind of a smokehead. I love the, I, I love a Schlenkerla like almost nothing else. Yeah. I love a good smoke bomb, and this is hitting it for me. I think you've Absolutely. got a lot of smoke in here. Brian, young man. Cool. Yeah. Good job, young man. Yes. <laughs> Lee, Lee's doing a, a good job covering this beer. And, yeah, sorry, uh, I've raved on into most raved of Brian's on, yeah. time here. <laughs> That's okay. I like. <laughs> I also enjoyed the beer. I thought it was also a very good example of a of a smoked beer. But I would lean towards you know more uh, agreeing with Garrett on this that it is a pretty much a smoke bomb. And and Lee pretty much is like yeah, it's bordering on smoke bomb too. But it's not. It's not. I mean, it's not the 
the most intensely smoky beer I've ever had. There's no, some beers that are way out of balance, just way. This yeah. is like leaning towards pretty firmly towards the smoky side of the spectrum, but uh, not not into offensive territory like that. So yeah, it was richly smoky with a uh, medium roast, light chocolate, and a nice you know moderate smokiness in the aroma. It did come across kind of cherry wood like to me. If I had been asked to guess, we were actually just judging it and smelling it. And then and JV's like, oh, there's cherry wood malt here. I was like, yes. <laughs> and I was like, you know, it does have that little kind of bacony character in the aroma. I thought I got a little, little hint of some soy sauce in the aroma. Nothing offensive, but just a little, like a little soy sauce oxidation with some dark malt components in there, but not, uh, not harsh or anything, but just a, a little edge of that. Um, didn't distract me too much. Uh, no obvious hop, low esters, you know, hiding behind everything else that's in here. Um, you know, good balance overall between the elements. It seems like a cleanly brewed beer, uh, just right in the aroma. It's, it's very inviting. And, um, you know, color-wise it's interesting because it's just so rich and black and dark. Almost no head, though. It did, It did. I think it, I agree with Lee there. Definitely the carbonation was lacking a little bit, at least in this bottle that we got. So we'll forgive a little bit of that sometimes and try to, he says if it was like pushing a little more smoke, but that might you know that might push it over the top <laughs> in the smokiness <laughs> category if it's if it's doing that. So you know have to be uh, careful. In fact, I'm drinking it. I'm drinking it out of the keg right now, and it's got giant headstand on it. So yeah. I think it's something a little bit from the bottling. Yeah, yeah, that happens. Um, was this bottle condition or a counter pressure fill? Counter pressure. Keg fill. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's so it's like so dark. I can't see. Our gla- it looks just you know, flat on the top, and there's a little ring of fine bubbles around the edge when you first pour, and that's about it. But can't really tell. Clearly, two, yeah. two of your bottles were counter pressure filled, and then the, the third one was a last minute tap fill. So you maybe you guys are are hitting the uh, hitting the bad, the ugly one right now. We we've opened two of them. They've both been pretty low low gas. So. This one might be lower okay. than the first. Yeah, actually, yeah, it seems really low. <laughs> Can't tell the clarity though; it's pretty opaque and and uh, and pitch black almost there. So, uh, I guess if you look at the bottom of the glass, you can see a little brownish tinge at the edges there. Yeah, um, the flavor rich, roasty, and and a slightly biting smokiness, kind of campfire like, because there is like a you know campfire is kicking off a lot of different compounds, and the you know this this has a lot of different smoked malts in it that that are putting out a lot of different flavors and bacony, woody. Um, just yeah, a lot of different smoke things going on there. Um, balance to the malt, but the smoke lingers in the the aftertaste forever, <laughs> and you <laughs> belch up a little bit. It's like oh, there's that smoke again. <laughs> so um, yeah, a fair amount of alcohol is obvious as this style should have, and that's fine. Um, you know, m- m- the bitterness was kept medium, medium low. Seems like it's in the right place. Uh, you know, style wise, I, I didn't have too many complaints about the beers. The alcohol was maybe a little warm, but uh, I might be just combining with the smoke to just give an impression of intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you might, you might, you know, it's hard to tell if there's some higher alcohols in this or not. I don't know what you fermented at. I'm sure you know what you're doing there. But finish is kind of, there's a little bit of sweetness left in the finish. It's it's not completely, it's not dry. It's not really sweet. It's just kind of medium between sweet and dry, kind of medium finish. Um Body-wise, you know, medium, medium full body with substantial warmth. Um, it's hard to get it, hard to get a creaminess out of this. It's not super smooth. All this, well, you know, there's a little bit of something from the 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 dark the dark um, 
malts in there that that has a little bit of a coffee and cream impression. Let me talk about flavor wise, but like the yeah, sure. Um, it's a little bit smooth in the mouthfeel, but not not intense. And it's like the smoke is a little biting and kind of fights with everything else. Um, no, I didn't get really any real astringency in here. It seems like you kept that in check. Uh, but again, the smoke was just kind of biting, and yeah, carbonation is kind of meat low, medium low, just kind of out of the way in this bottle. But uh, yeah, that's that's actually fine for this for now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think the base style, the recipe uh, for the for the Baltic Porter and the ingredients that you use seem pretty nice. Just a bit high on the smoke. The smoke character is, is somewhat harsh and attacking. I would I would really lighten up on that a little bit myself, not to discredit the other judges that have tasted the same beer and <laughs> and um, you know it could be that maybe their bottles were more carbonated and it was well no that would drive more more smoke flavor. I don't know what's going on in their heads. Uh, again, the uh, flight of twelve smoky beers will will play all kinds of tricks with your palate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, you, you can play with. Uh, you know, different varieties of smoke. If you, it was an interesting experiment for you, at least combining all these different varieties that you did. But I would stick to the more the German one, the the Weirman stuff there, and just just brew with that until you get it the way you want and get the balance you want. Um, if if you are getting some higher alcohols in this, you know, from keep the ferment temp in check. I'm sure you're probably temp controlled and everything. But um, yeah, it's a lager ferment, so I got to keep it low. Yeah, yeah. What kind of yeast was it? Uh, White Labs 830. Okay. But, um, yeah, it's a pretty good job of, um, you know, having the style come through a little bit underneath all that smoke. But, uh, yeah, it could come through a lot more. And, uh, you know, one trick would be to just beef up the chocolate malt a little bit with this if you want to keep this level of smoke and have it come through. Even, you know, bump your recipe up to where it shouldn't be if it was just a Baltic Porter by itself and push a little some of the middle malts up in there. I'm getting enough roast, but like kind of the middle uh, chocolatey and light chocolate, you know, some pale chocolate might be nice in this. Just uh, um, give it a little more complexity on the malt side to balance against all that smoke. If you're keeping that and if you're the other judges want that level or higher. Uh, But yeah, I thought it was a pretty good beer. I gave it a 33 to me. It was just the smoke was a little over the top and I, I like it a little more subdued and, balanced with everything else but um it's a cleanly brewed beer and nicely done it's, it's in a very good range still for me as well uh as he is so um yeah thanks cool. for sharing it and it was you know i'm sure you'll perfect it the next time and send us the <laughs> the final like hey i i nailed it guys yeah, this is perfect I hope so. to your palate because it seems like you understand where we're at judging the level of the smoke and and you're with us it's on the higher end and you understand that sorry the judges that didn't understand the other judges but yeah i i think i mean because i've had you know the various versions of this beer in so many competitions over the last four years i think it's really subjective when it comes to the smoke levels what did they and, score, uh, what did they score if you don't mind my asking uh for this particular batch uh i got a 39 and a half and a 36.3 were oh. the combined scores yeah, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. The, the previous previous ones uh, where it didn't have all the extra smoke malt and just the base wireman, uh, the highest I ever pulled was a forty eight, but generally speaking, it was in the low forties. 
That's good. Yeah. Well, maybe backtracking to what you're doing there will we'll certainly get you better comp scores. One thing I would say about this, and I'm, I'm looking at your uh, the recipe sent sheet that you sent here. Um, so one of the things about this beer is that the smoke really overbalances the base beer. Uh, you could call this a robust porter or a Baltic porter. It almost wouldn't matter. But the Baltic porter concept is good because they tend to be richer and a little bit sweeter. And sweet, mm-hmm. well, not not necessarily sweet, but rich is good to balance smoke. If you think of like a Schlenkerla, the, mm-hmm. even just the regular Martzen, it's got a pretty rich malt body behind it. It helps body, balance that smoke out. All that munich yeah, yeah. Yeah, all that munich character. And you mash this at 148, which I could see for doing a big beer. But it mm-hmm. might actually help this beer. I mean, if you want to do this variant of it again, bring that mash temperature up a few points, get a little bit more residual higher sugars that aren't necessarily sweet, but add some more richness to the body in there. And that'll help balance okay. out the smoke a little better and might help it present mm. it might help it present the base beer style a little better too. Because for compared to most Baltic porters, this I mean the smoke is exacerbating it mightily, but this is pretty dry for a Baltic porter. Mm. So bring out dry. that richness, yeah. not not necessarily sweetness, but richness by a higher mash temperature, but making sure your ferment completes well, your fermentation mm-hmm. completes and gets rid of all the sugars, might actually help the balance of this beer a little bit. What did it finish out at, gravity-wise? Oh, uh, notes, notes, notes. <laughs> uh, we started out at about 1097, and I think I finished at about 1018. Uh, that is pretty low, yeah. Yeah, but high. a beer a beer that big could almost go a little higher up into the mid twenties. It might actually somewhere. get a better a better balance. Mid twenties, okay. even upper twenties for for a terminal. Yeah, but to do that, you'll have to raise up the mash temperature. You you probably don't want to add a whole lot more roast grains in that because it'll no. get too astringent. Yes, you could consider adding in some more. I, I wait. What have you got here? Some more carrots or crystals, <laughs> things like that. Uh, which there's really not much of in here, is there? Yeah, well, no. Four ounces of chocolate yeah. in there, and that's it. It's chocolate, carafa, black, and some aromatic. Yeah, so maybe a little bit of that sort of stuff might help. But if you don't want to go that route because you don't like the crystals, then raise up the mash temperature. Get some more resi- higher residual sugars in there to help balance all that smoke out. And, and it'll present bumper. better as a smoky beer and as a Baltic porter, I, I would think. Yeah, and or bump the chocolate. Or pale chocolate. Yeah. Although, you know, if your previous recipe, you were getting 48-point score sheets, you should really just tell us. To yeah. <laughs> Keep brewing that beer. And, you know, uh, just do uh, that again and right. send us a bottle. <laughs> and again, it's, it's, you know, it's the, it's the variability with that, with that Wireman malt that from batch to batch, um, you know, it, it would swing. Yeah. Um, something good. else I found that age really helps this beer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure. And, yeah, I'm sure it does. And in fact, the the so this one was brewed in May. The beer that took the gold at NCAB was probably two and a half years old when it was judged. <laughs> Secret weapon beer. Here you go, guys. Yeah. <laughs> two and a half years nice. old. Well, yeah, and smoke smoke does fabulous, interesting, unpredictable things over time too, and. You know, beers like that, they'll, they'll dry out their, any residual sugar they can. But, yeah, you, yes. I mean, I've done tastings of, like, various smoked beers at different ages. and They can just do wonderful things over time. Yeah. Yeah, those flavors will just melt and just get, yeah, that beer's uh, going to get happy. Uh, Garrett, do you have any more questions for the guys? So 
So if I wanted to convert this to an ale recipe, what would you guys recommend me using just for, you know, in terms of like turning over quick batches for an experiment? Well, I mean, basically you're talking about turning it from a Baltic into maybe like a robust porter, at least in terms of the yeast. I wouldn't go hoppy like that, though. I don't know. Any ale yeast that turns your crank, keep the ferment temperature low. I don't think you want a whole lot of esters in here. So it's cow ale or something like that. Keep it clean. I'm sorry? Cow ale, yeah. So just use like a cow ale and keep cow it clean. ale, yeah, that, that could probably work. In you know, it's not very high ferment temperature. You don't want to go down to 55. <laughs> you know, start it, no. maybe pitch it 60, 62, and, and keep it down below 65. Sure. Um, at a guess. So, so you don't. You, I mean, some ast- a little bit aster is okay, but you don't want to turn this into an aster bomb. That's just yeah. going to be kind of weird with the smoke. No, it'll class with all the smoke phenols, and then you're going to get something really, really weird. So, yeah, I don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah, but you could make a great present drinking smoke beer with that. I mean, I actually did something like that recently with a low gravity version of a rout beer. Just pitched cow ale yeast, oh, yeah. get the temperature down. Oh, it's nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah, you, and you don't get a lot of esters when you do that. I mean, that uh, was that was like a ten thirty. 7, 1038 starting gravity. Yeah. So you you have a little more risk for esters if you're going up to a 1097. But, you know, you, you keep the temperature down and you don't want to be an absolutist yeah. about it. You'll get a good result. If yeah, somebody's like, hey, Garrett, brew one of those killer smoke beers for our Christmas party. And you're like, oh, shit. And, and we don't have November. time to do a lot right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, that's the problem. Yeah. All right, Garrett. That's it, man. Thank you guys so Appreciate much. Appreciate it. Uh, Thanks, buddy. You know, you know what you're doing. Yeah, sorry for the. I, I probably should be up where Lee is score wise. I'm actually enjoying sipping. This no, too. I'm not worried about. I'm I'm not worried about that stuff. It's the feedback that matters to me. Cool. Yeah, well, you know you know what you're doing, and and the one thing I wanted to say is not everybody is, you know, like you going into the homebrew shop and and chewing on the malt and tasting and saying, does this vary from the last malt that I used, and really paying that kind of attention to the ingredients that you're putting into your beer. So. You know, kudos to you for for that, paying that level yes. of attention to the detail. Don't psych your, yourself out too much at the same time, you know. But I mean, some people are just like, okay, I need four ounces of this, three ounces of that, even with the hops, and they don't adjust for alphas. And you're doing all that, so you're, you know, you, you got your technique down. You got, you're doing you're, great. You're doing great. Yeah. So thanks again. Cool. Thanks, Gary. I, I love hearing it. Thanks, guys. Bye, hey. buddy. Cheers. Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and do some awards and then get out of here. It's Dr. Homebrew. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, Stay tuned. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five Star Star treatment today. 
High Gravity Home Brewing Supplies wants you to keep it simple. Brewing should be fun. And with High Gravity's amazing electric brewing systems, it is. High Gravity keeps their brewing systems simple, on purpose. More efficient than gas, customizable, and with your choice of one, two, or three vessels, High Gravity's electric brewing systems will completely change the way you brew beer, formulate recipes, and improve your beer's consistency. Dave at High Gravity can customize your system to fit your needs. High Gravity invites you to visit their Build Your Own Brewery page and see how easy it can be to brew electric. And High Gravity offers $7.99 flat rate shipping on most of their products. www.highgravitybrew.com High Gravity. Keep it electric. Keep it simple. Visit highgravitybrew.com Admit it. Homebrewing is not always free of frustrations. Years ago, brothers Bill and Jim Mitchell decided to minimize those frustrations and create an entirely new brewing process and a brand new kitchen appliance, the Pico Brew Zymatic. The Zymatic sits on your kitchen counter and connects to the internet via Wi-Fi. It comes with access to a huge recipe library full of award-winning beers and can brew your next batch at the push of a button. Improve repeatability and refine your recipes with the Pico Brew Zymatic. With minimal cleaning and hassle, the Zymatic enables anyone to brew craft beer in the comfort of their own kitchen. Just add your ingredients and the process of homebrewing becomes simplified and automatic, allowing you to focus on what really matters while you brew. At Pico Brew, they believe everyone should be able to enjoy the art of homebrewing and make their own damn good craft beer. See the Zymatic in action today at PicoBrew.com. I'm sorry to tell you this, but we're going to have to pour you out. Back to Dr. Homebrew. You know, we were just talking at the break uh, about the new Star Wars movie that's coming out. And uh, I, I find it fascinating that they're, they're selling um, little figurines and, and merch from the new movie about the main characters that nobody knows really anything about. Um, except maybe you know in theory, and and that's it. Like, what if these characters are stupid? Then you have. I hope this guy's as cool as Boba Fett. There's got to be a couple total... that won't be stupid. You would right? know. And you staple the receipt that you bought you it before hope. the movie to the back of the unopened package. Will be worth more down the road, right? Well, that's what they say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I don't know about uh, that. I, I did that with uh, the Darth Maul character. Um, his little figurine is real hard to find. It, it, you just go on eBay. It's the same exact price. Nothing ever really goes up in price anymore, but everyone likes to think they do. Um, okay, anyway, so we have a couple of awards to give away. Uh, number one is our Grog Tag $40. At least your beer will look good gift certificate. Uh, that's to grogtag.com, and they, of course, do customizable, reusable homebrew labels, uh, wine labels, uh, mini tags, coasters, metals, all sorts of stuff for your home bar and your home, home wine, your home beer. It's, uh, it, it's really great. If you don't have any artistic ability, Grog Tech will take care of I'll it. because supply that for you. They yeah. will. You just fill out the templates and you pick your, your, your uh, style of uh, you know, label there and everything's great. Or if you do have artistic yeah. talent, then you can actually upload your own image and get your own face if printed you on have there a, or whatever. a wedding coming up and you want your bride's picture painted onto your yeah. beer bottles. Get and- Nana's get Nana's face for her 90th or whatever they'll do it for you grogtag.com check them out and then of course uh we have the high gravity uh brew 
dot com um, award for the. Uh, we haven't really named it because they don't have like a tagline, you know, like the grog tag. High gravity get, but brew award. High gravity brew award. Yeah, for the. Okay, there you go. You've got what's high, the gal's got name gravity. there again? What more than uh, uh, Desiree. Let's just call it the Desiree award. The Desiree. Ooh. How about Brian that? Brian wins. The Desiree uh, Award for Brewing Excellence. The, yes, the Desiree Award for Brewing Excellence. Uh, and that goes to the, uh, the, the, the fella. The higher scoring. The fella with the, the higher person. scoring. Well, award. it's right. not always the fella, usually. But uh, actually, no, you're, you're right. But uh, I think in, in December I'm talking to a, a lovely lady called Jess. And she's going to send some beer in. And I think that will be officially the second or maybe third woman we've had on the show in Is two years. Is that it? Yeah. We it's don't get to talk that. to women very often. We don't really. This is all an excuse it's to do that. It's a cloistered world dominated by monks and guys who oh, look like that. That's true. Please, yeah, bring more. Bring um, so, yeah, go check out highgravitybrew.com. Uh, uh, they have everything you need to make uh, a bunch of beer. They have electric brewing and, of course, the gas-fired standard stuff. They have Blickman kettles. Uh, they have ingredients. They have all sorts of great stuff. So so check them out, too. So, anyways, our uh, the winner of the Grog Tag, $40. At least your beer will look good. Gift certificate Go is Tyler. To Tyler. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Hey. So that means, Garrett, you win the High Gravity Award. Uh, no, I'm sorry, the Desiree Award for Desiree Brewing Excellence. Desiree Award for right. Brewing Excellence. Yes. Uh, so good job on that one, buddy. And then uh, that's it. We're done, right? That's it. Right. I can go Thanks. pee. Yeah, yeah you can. Uh, hey, so do you think of the new Star Wars movie? Are they going to have, like, Lagunitas IPA product placement like they did they, in the Muppets show? They might, man. <laughs> Who knows? I, I hope I not. Like, like an old Luke Skywalker, you know, like, sipping a bottle of Lagunitas on some <laughs> other planet. in the background you know? on well, the it was, star, they have a tap. It's a long time ago. So it's in the past, right. and Lagunitas didn't exist. So. Well, but, you know, pre-figuring... I don't know. How about Chewy with a bottle of 50-50? <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> you can call it Chewy. You know, I, I right. read online some theory about uh, the uh, um, animated uh, movie Aladdin yeah. that actually takes place in some dystopian future instead of in the past. Because when the genie comes out, he's like referencing, gro- referencing Groucho Marx and right. referencing things that happened in the culture. 80s. Yeah. <laughs> right. But so, And then he says, I've been in the bottle for 10,000 years. So if he's been in the so bottle, how did he know about it? Apocalyptic desert. Yes. Cl- Yes. Right. Okay. Uh, wow. So, yeah, peep that one out. Uh, anyway, thanks a lot, guys, for uh, for hanging with us. It's been Dr. Homebrew. Um, before we get out of here, if you're thirsty for more beer information, uh, check out the other shows we have on the Brewing Network. Where there's The Session. There's the Jamil Shows. There's The Sour Hour. Uh, you name it, and we talk about it. So, uh, you know, be sure to uh, peruse and, uh, you know, rate us on iTunes and do all that kind of funky stuff that all you kids seem to be into uh, these days. Uh, anyway, Brian Lee, thank you very much. Appreciate oh, it. Thank you. And you. Thank you very much. And you much. who will power be on through. the sequel, Aladdin 2, 10,000 Years in the Future. Electric Boogaloo. As yourself. Woo. All right, everyone. Yeah. Uh, thanks for sticking with us, and we'll see you next time. This has been Dr. Homebrew. Woo.